0: All right, we're gonna get into oxygen. I know it seems like a very simple drug that doesn't really need to be talked about, but there's actually some consequences to giving too much oxygen, or even not enough. So the drug classification is gonna be a gas. And keep in mind that naturally, there's 21% of oxygen in the air that we breathe. So we say that the fractional-inspired oxygen, FiO2, is 21%. So how does oxygen work? Well, remember it goes in through the lungs and it's carried then by the hemoglobin in the red blood cells to the tissues. We can then use that oxygen to break down glucose and provide energy at the cellular level. So it's going to increase the inspired percentage of oxygen, the oxygen concentration at the alveolar level, it will increase the arterial oxygen levels, and the amount of oxygen delivered to the patient's cells. And needless to say, it should only be given when the patient is hypoxic or to get them into the normal range. So remember, we are looking for an oxygen saturation of 94 to 100% and ideally 94 to 96%. And this number changes when we have patients with COPD. They should have a range of 88 to 92%. So really, our indications for oxygen is when the oxygen demands have increased, when the patient's hypoxic with an O2 sat of less than 94% or less than 88% for COPD. Uh, If we have someone with shock, poor perfusion, definitely with traumatic brain injury, chest pain of myocardial origin, and if, again, they're in a normal range, we're gonna leave them alone, but if they need it, if they have PVCs or some sort of ectopy or dysrhythmia, go ahead and give it. Other than that, uh, anaphylaxis, suspected pneumothorax, and carbon monoxide poisoning. And that's a trickier one because we can't really tell how much uh, oxygen we have. If you have the LifePak 15, you can actually see the SPCO, and it will measure the uh, carbon monoxide level. So we, want, we would like it to be less than uh, 5%, but you might find a 5 to 10% for those who have been chronic smokers. Or elevated if they've been subjected to carbon monoxide poisoning. Contraindications. There aren't really any that are listed other than the patient being in the normal range. If we are giving it to those who don't need it, it can be toxic. Remember, there is such a thing as oxygen toxicity. And in this case, we can cause the production of free radicals. So, what does that mean? You know, what's oxidative stress? Simply put, atoms or groups of atoms that have at least one paired electron are unstable and highly reactive. Oxygen, O2, has two unpaired electrons. It typically shares electrons between two atoms to maintain stability. Now the problem lies in when it gains an additional electron. That can make it into superoxide. Or if it gains two additional electrons, that can make it into a hydrogen peroxide, H2O2 and gaining a third would make it into the hydroxyl radical. Now these can be produced from normal respiration and metabolism, exposure to air pollutants, drugs, viruses, radiation, uh, but also from reperfusion, and that's where we come into play, right? If the patient's ischemic, we immediately want to give them oxygen, and we can cause reperfusion injury by giving them too much oxygen. So how can we avoid this? we titrate oxygen to try to maintain an SpO2 of 94 to 96%, giving no more and no less. In one of the trials I had looked up, they literally stated that the more oxygen you gave, the more you increase the mortality. So for each percent that you try to get them closer to 100, you would increase the mortality by 1% each time. So the excess of free radicals damages cells, and this is called oxidative stress. So in a stroke, you can have lactic acid accumulation as a consequence of an ischemic stroke, and that acidic environment increases the chances of H2O2 conversion. And of course, that's just one example. I mentioned that free radicals damage the cells. So what they do is a couple of things. They decrease ATP production, and that's going to decrease the sodium pump, increase the breakdown of glucose, and decrease the calcium pump. So the consequences are cellular swelling, a decrease in pH, acidosis, and mitochondrial damage. I think it's best to keep it simple and just say that free radicals cause cellular damage. And I'll put the links to the material that I used and I found the trial, it's called the IOTA trial, for those of you who are interested. Gone are the days of putting a patient with a stroke or a heart attack on a non-rebreather 15 liters or cannula 6 liters. Now we titrate just to get them enough to 94 or 88 if they have COPD. And there's a couple ways that we can administer oxygen. We can use a mouth to mask, and that would be 17% fractional-inspired oxygen, FiO2. A BVM with oxygen, it's gonna be about 90% FiO2. A demand valve will give you 100%. An ET tube with oxygen, a BVM, should be about 100%. A nasal cannula, 22 to 44%, depending if you're given one to six liters. A simple face mask can be 40 to 60%. A Venturi mask, which is great for emphysemic patients, can be 24 to 40% FiO2. A total non-rebreather, which is what we commonly use, can be up to 90%, and giving them CPAP can be from 21 to 100% FiO2. For pediatrics, if we use blow-by, it's not very reliable, but we can use this method when children become agitated by other means. We should be using a nasal cannula two to four liters per minute for infants under two years of age, and a nasal cannula four liters per minute if they're over two years of age. A simple face mask, the minimum we'd want to use is four liters per minute to a max of 10. And a non-rebreather, we'll use the same as adults, so 15 liters per minute. So as far as precautions go, uh, the big one we talked about was avoiding giving too much to avoid free radicals but we should also be careful for neonates. We don't wanna give them a high concentration of oxygen for a long period of time because it can damage the infant's eyes. It can cause retinopathy of prematurity. It's not so much a concern in short transports, but if you have a long distance transport, that's when we would monitor closely. Pharmacokinetics, the onset is immediate. The duration is one to two minutes, and the half-life is not applicable. There isn't a pregnancy category per se for oxygen. We do give it. You, again, have to just be mindful of keeping them in the appropriate range, and ideally, that'll be 94 to 96%. So that's all I have for you on oxygen, and remember that in traumatic brain injury, we really don't want to starve the injured brain tissue, so we give the oxygen here for sure.